from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Writer's Serial Fiction Show. If you haven't listened to today's story, we'd encourage you to pause and go listen to Brian Xavier Cole's episode on our companion podcast first. If you like what you hear, check out The Shattered Warrior on Later Press. The links are in the show notes. So, JP, how's your week been? It's been good, mostly. Um, Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) That's mostly it. Um, No. So, this week, I think, is my first, like, full-ish week um, back home after all of our, like, maddening travels and whatnot and i'm just getting back into the groove of things i've got a special project that i'm working on that i'm trying my best to get done and uh as i'm doing that i'm still working on episodes uh nothing too crazy over here just rolling along it's uh it's a thing awesome how about you tell me your life I mean, the writing week has been fine. My writing weeks are usually always fine. So yeah, we released the 100th episode of The Molecule Thief, which was awesome. Uh, You know, doing some client work, which is also awesome. So that was great. But last time we talked, I was supposed to go to New York. And oh yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> I'm I found so out sorry like, this happened. Oh, the day before that they had issued both n- tickets in my name, and I'm like, can you please change one? They're like, only if there's a mistake with the name. I'm like, I'm not getting on the plane twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mistake. <laughs> yeah, so I spent three hours with customer service and three different representatives, and I think I cried a little, but they finally did change it, and then uh, rushed to make our flight after work for the long weekend and. Uh, then they delayed it and then they canceled it and then they couldn't book us on anything to any nearby airport on any airline. And I just had to go home and cancel my hotel and cancel seeing the awesome James who works on our podcast. And it was just big sad, but we're going to try to rebook in July. I know I'm done crying now, but I was so sad because I had writer friends I was going to hang out with, including James, including another writer friend and, Writer friends are the best. And I was just mad. So they hopefully it'll work out again in July. And we'll get to hang out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. And yeah. but we're going to hang out again this yes. year. Yes. In October and October. ideally September. Maybe September. So maybe September. Yeah. So it's fine. Fine. It's everything's fine. Yes. It's yeah. all it's all gonna be good. You know, stay positive, I guess. We just um, drove somewhere and had a vacation anyway because we're like, screw us, you can't tell, screw us, screw you, you can't tell us we're not vacationing. So we just drove to like a cottage town, <laughs> hung out. So that's it awesome. Was, it was okay. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we made the best cool. of a bad situation. It was still fun. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yay, we're doing things. We're keeping on, keeping on. I guess keeping on, keeping on. <laughs> As is the writer life. So yeah. Yeah. Ready to go talk to our author? I sure am. Let's go. Good. Let's do it. Yes. So, JP, let's talk so about Pro Writing Aid. And as they say yeah. on their website, it is the secret to polished and professional writing. As writers, we make the same mistakes. When you use Pro Writing Aid, you can get clear, easy steps to improve your writing so you can share your ideas with confidence. 
whether you're doing creative writing, business writing, academic writing, just composing an email and you want to sound smart, Pro Writing Aid will help you. And 100%. there's something new. What is it, JP? So Atticus, which is a wonderful program uh, that includes book formatting and it is developing aspects for writers so that it can basically be a one-stop shop for writers, has an integration with ProWritingAid now. Uh, so we've mentioned before that ProWritingAid has a lot of integrations with you know Google Docs and uh, Microsoft Word and now Atticus, which just makes, uh, one, it makes that tool Atticus really uh, shiny and nice for authors that are looking for a one-stop place. But it's just the fact that providing aid can integrate with so many programs so that you're able to use this sort of last line defense before handing it off to someone. Um, it just makes it so much easier. I love using ProWriting Aid because then I don't have people that are editing it looking for simple mistakes that I can find using ProWriting Aid that I can learn from. And instead they're looking at the deeper content and they're able to notate that. Um, so I just find writing it so nice. So I love it when I hear a new integration has happened. Absolutely. Check out ProWritingAid. It will help you be a better writer. ProWritingAid.com. Use our discount code Serial20. S-E-R-I-A-L-20. So JP, let's talk about LaterPress. So LaterPress is a platform built to help authors uh, declare their independence. It lets authors create digital books and sell them directly to their readers through their own branded website. And there are new things uh, coming to the platform every day in terms of discoverability and new features. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I actually, I put nerds on LaterPress and it was a really easy and really fast uh, process, which was pretty cool. And one of the cool things was you can put a collection and then you can put your uh, like we put nerds in the collection uh, so that ideally if we do any spinoffs or if we do any like season two or like specifying those pieces, you can put those books in the collection, which yeah. is really nice. And it's a really nice way of like hierarchical, hierarchical uh, pieces to it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it basically gives you your own website. Ours is nrds.laterpress.com. And you just direct your readers straight there and they see nerds. It, it doesn't get blocked by anything else. There are no ads in the way. There are no, like nothing. It's just straight up nerds content for your readers to get straight to reading, uh, which is uh, different than some other platforms, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I did the same thing, um, although I uploaded... Uh, all of my books to a collection just so I had one place, you know, to, to direct mm -hmm. readers. And so I have Molecule Thief, Dark is Away, and the Steampunk Emerald Key is up there. So it's one link. People can see all your books and you can order them whatever way you want, uh, you know, or your yeah. cereals. You can put cereals up as well. And uh, yeah, and you can do it on a subscription model or pay per book. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, which was a, a really cool... Yeah. yeah, the pricing thing was pretty cool. Figuring out uh, either doing per book or some type of a subscription model uh, just to kind of give your readers different abilities to uh, support you. Because some people really like the, you know, it's basically like a Patreon, but yep. you just get content to read. Yep. And the cut is just 5%. Yeah. So test it out. Try it out. Yep. Laterpress.com. See you later, press. 
All right. So we have this wonderful hook at the beginning where uh, Ivan Yanka says a quote, and then he stares down damnation. I'm curious, how do you go about approaching hooks when it comes to writing serial fiction episodes? I used to be really concerned about the first line, almost to an unhealthy point. (laughs) And so I've kind of just started like, just start the scene, get it done, and then go back and see if you can figure out a decent hook. Um, I don't know. I can't say I have like any specific like formula or any method that I go through to, to go for a hook. I mean, like that wasn't originally supposed to be the hook of that chapter. The quote was not in the first drafts. And then I decided to add it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hooks are hard. Because they've been, readers read a lot of first pages and not a lot of books sometimes. And it's a problem. <laughs> so. Definitely. So a lot of cliches you have to avoid. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm curious uh, whether you consciously use theme or armature in your work. So you have these quotes kind of at the beginning of your chapters. And a lot of them are about... Um, faith and, and unity and you know, you know that you um uh can't be afraid if you have faith that you know your spirit can't be broken uh yeah. do you use theme to direct your work at all or what does that look like for you uh yeah theme definitely plays into my work um i like to keep it my i had kind of a rule in my writing specifically that like called the contrast rule you have if you're gonna go dark i like to go light lighter later like I can go as dark as I want. I can go into, I mean, one of my opening lines is about child, infanticide, but I have to um, kind of, you know, have it had a good ending. I like stories with a good ending, personally. Not that I won't read anything with, you know, that the main character gets killed and everyone dies, but I personally like a good ending, so. Same. Agreed. Uh, so, speaking of your protagonist uh, in this prologue, uh, we notice that his his wants may be something along the lines of to protect the governor uh, from the tailor, or maybe uh, his need being to overcome his fear and believe he'll make it out of this. So, I'm curious, how do you go about creating the character's wants and needs, or mm-hmm. how do you go about creating characters in general when you're uh, drafting? So. Uh, a lot of the times characters are made for me around their arcs. Um, I have kind of a thing I found that I use. It's a 10 beat plotting system. I like to joke it's a nine beat plotting system because resolution doesn't count. But um, so it starts with a hook. Um, Then you go to inciting incident, which is like hook is just you show the character being the character with lots of flaws. Um, inciting incident is where they're confronted with the challenge. First plot point is where they actually decide, okay, I'm going to do this. And this is more of a series, um, but it's a ser- it's called a series of transforming events. Or no, that's that's the sixth one. A series of defensive conflicts is the fourth one. And that's kind of where the character is starting to grow, but very begrudgingly. Um, and then you have the midpoint, which is where everything kind of flips a little bit. It's a big plot point in the middle of Act 2, if you're familiar with three-act structure. 
that um, that kind of it's the turning point, I guess. Um, then you have the sixth one that I mentioned on accident earlier, a series of transforming events, um, which is um, they're going through more conflicts and they're actually starting to grow and it's not quite as begrudging. Then you have false victory, which is where this is like the lowest moment in their arc where the thing they thought they wanted, they got it and then realized it wasn't actually the thing they wanted. Um, so it's like when your character, I'm trying to think of a good example of this, um, like in Return of the Jedi, when Luke just goes full ham on Vader, cuts off his hand, and then that's the false victory beat. And then you hit the third plot point, which th this plotting structure, I forgot to mention, kind of goes with a lie and a truth that you start out with at the beginning. And so the eighth is the character rejects the lie they've be been believing about themselves. Um, and the ninth is that they accept the truth. Uh, and then you have resolution, which I don't know. Yeah. So do you know the name of the plot structure that you use? Is that KM Wyland or is that something else? I just don't. Curious. I okay. know. <laughs> I found it's an article that I found that was like, this is a cool plotting structure. And I was like, it is a cool plotting structure. And it's worked for me. Nice. And then I might have the link somewhere hidden in my Google Drive, but I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I think that's a new one that we've uh, had on the show. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I'm curious, um, how do you do that at the scene level? Do you do like a smaller version of it? Like when JP and I look at scenes, we usually break them down into um, conflict, choice, consequence, and sometimes uh, the cliffhanger for uh, serial fiction. Mm -hmm. So you've got some, like a lot of conflict going on in this scene. Probably we could look at it in several different ways, but one of the biggest uh, conflicts is when the Talar reach the city and they've deceived the soldiers uh, with an empty ship to fire on. And then Yanka has this choice uh, to use his memory, memory burning powers as a last resort, which he does. And then he thinks he's won the battle until um, the voidling approaches and kills everyone before abducting him. So I'm just curious how you approach um, that on the scene level. Like what kind of construction do you use? I typically just kind of feel my way through individual scenes. My, I generally outline scene by scene. Um, a lot of the times uh, what I'll do is I'll have a Google Doc that just, I don't even like say this is part of a chapter yet, but uh, I'll have first and then I just have a next bullet point. And I'll list just like a quick summary of what the scene is about. Um, I am starting to gravitate a little bit more towards outlining more. I'm realizing I've been trying to be a discovery writer a little bit too much. Um, not that discovery writers are bad, but I'm not a discovery writer. Um, and um, yeah, I kind of just feel my way through a scene and then I'll go back and, you know, if there's if there's conflict missing, I'll try to add that if, if it's a scene that really requires conflict. I mean, there's scenes where like, just make certain I know the purpose of the scene, I think is the most important thing. Because, mm -hmm. you know, some scenes aren't going to have major conflicts. It's just going to be characters talking for a little bit and you kind of get to know their character more. But some scenes you don't want talking. Um, <laughs> It, there needs to be like real conflict uh, it just kind of depends on where you're at in the plot structure so yeah absolutely 
And yeah, and you had a, a great cliffhanger on this episode too. I don't know if that's something you always do, but yeah, I mean, you left the with the Talar leader or Voidling planning to break him and train his memory burner talents to her purpose. So that was a great cliffhanger. So I'm curious, what in your opinion makes for a good science fantasy and how did you go about blending those genres together? A lot of trial and error. Um, interesting fact about this story it was originally just supposed to take place on Earth, which it's evolved to the point where you couldn't really recognize that. But I um, I eventually decided to make it a sci-fi fantasy more. Um, and it's just, for me, it was a lot of trial and error. And I think one of the cool, I think the coolest things that you can do is blend your magic system with your technology system, which is one thing I'm hoping to do where your technology uses the same magical energy and stuff in it, which Sanderson does in Stormlight, but I'm hoping to do to an even bigger extent, honestly. Um, I think that's one cool thing you can do. Um, and then just kind of build it like you would any other setting. Just make certain you have both, you know, if you, um, Make sure you're knowing the consequences of like what this technology is going to do, um, what this magic is going to do. You have both in the world, so how are they going to interact? Um, you just kind of build it like a normal world, in all honesty. What are some of the world building techniques that you use? I keep it all in my head. It's a problem. I have actually been thinking recently that I need to make a world building document because um, I don't have one. <laughs> And it, I mean, I, I kind of just keep it all in my head and it, I would actually really recommend to people to keep a world building document because like, just, you don't have to like spend hours and hours on it. I mean, I'm, I say I have the opposite of world builders disease. I hate doing too much world building and I like to launch right into a story, but for people who are like me that way. You don't have to make an encyclopedia is what I'm realizing. Just just get it on paper because otherwise it'll end up inconsistent in the story. And that is one thing I've been finding as I've been going back through my own story. So yeah. Definitely. Chaos demon, I have to agree. I wish I kept <laughs> spreadsheets. I'm like, what's who are you? What hair color and eye color do you have? Where did you go to school? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't write my spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, my biggest problem, I, I think, with like Scrivener and some of those others was like the connectivity and the the barrier to understanding. And so, mm -hmm. uh, even like World Anvil, I bought World Anvil, which is basically like a D and D person's yeah. dream, yeah. but it's also perfect for world building. Except there's such a barrier for understanding how to use the system. Uh, highly recommend obsidian and notion if you're someone that just wants to get in get out toss your ideas make them connect and call it good yeah um but i'm uh, curious how do you build how did you build your magic system or how do you build a good magic system daring of you to assume it's a good magic system <laughs> um <laughs> again it was a lot of trial and error it started out pretty bland at first and that like it was just, it started out kind of as you just get X amount of energy. You just kind of sit and wait, you get X, build up X amount of energy, and then you do it, things with it, you know, very vague, very 
um, which can be good if you know what you're doing with it. I highly recommend Brandon's Sanderson's, you know, magic system advice. There's other people too. He's, he's especially if you're building a hard magic system, which means for viewers that don't know what I'm talking about. Um, it means that lots of rules, you know, what's going on with the magic system. I recommend him because he's made some very good ones in my opinion. Um, but I think just, yeah, internal consistency is good, whether you're making a hard or a soft one. I mean, if it's a soft one, there won't be, you. the viewer won't know as much about it, but what they do know, there should be consistency with. Um, make certain that any secrets you're keeping hidden about the magic system are foreshadowed at least a little bit. Um, so that, that, and they probably should be revealed before the climax. Um, because introducing elements too close to when things get resolved. I mean, it's like deus ex machina, as I think what people use a lot of the times for describing that is when somebody just shows up and fixes everything and it kind of cheapens everything else you've been setting up. Um, and that can happen with magic systems. It can happen with characters too, where a character with too much power shows up very close to the end of a book. But yeah, again, I don't have a world building doc. I don't really have a system. It's just kind of in trial and error for me. But I think finding something kind of like a, for me, memory burning kind of started out as like a little concept of like, um, just vaguely thinking, what if, you know, memories were the fuel for this? And then I slowly fleshed it out and there's more things in the magic system. Like this is one of three, you know, there's the burning emotions. There's also purity, which is the third power, which I haven't really talked about much in this particular book because I kind of want to keep it, some of its capabilities a secret, but yeah. Excellent. So what do you need to know about space and space travel to make the sci-fi part work? I don't know anything about space and space travel, and I don't care. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the fantasy setting comes in. It's just like, I mean, I think if you're going for that kind of hard sci-fi, then study space travel. But I have seen a lot of people who do too much research and end up writing a story that's very drowned in facts. And it's not really a story. It's an encyclopedia. And that can be a problem. So. so I'm curious, what does your daily routine look like and or your weekly routine if it's uh, different? Right now, I'm just kind of chilling during the summer because I'm a college student. So, But um, I don't really have a great writing routine. That's something I'm trying to work on because I know it will help me. But um, I'm undisciplined, so it's fine. Um, but one thing I found that really helps me to get me moving is actually, if you're on a Discord server, it's called Sprinto. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bot where you can enter an amount of time and then it's like, go right and we'll count your word count for a minute and stuff after you give it like a final word count at the end. And for me, that's really helpful because if I'm really not feeling it, all I have to do to start the thing is just type, sprint for 20 minutes you know, in code but um 
And then from there, the motivation kind of starts to flow. I'm, I'm a little weird. A lot of authors have to sit, well, from what I've heard, a lot of authors have to spend like an hour getting into the flow of it and stay in that flow for a long time. For me, I get into flow really fast and get out of flow really fast. So my writing sessions are typically about 20 minutes. Uh, and that's when I'm most productive if I'm like, maybe it's just my ADHD brain, but I write for 20 minutes, take a break, some write, write for 20 minutes. Unfortunately, I can't say the break is very consistent. It just kind of depends on how I feel, which isn't the best way of doing it, but yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of writers, uh, well, maybe it depended on the type of writers do that too. They do like Pomodoros and stuff when they'll do like 20, mm -hmm. 25 minutes on, take five minutes off and that's awesome. So when you're doing the sprinting on the discords with the sprint bots, the sprinto bots, do you do that by yourself or do you do that with like accountability partners? So um, I have found it works better with accountability partners, but typically I honestly do it by myself. Um, I run, so I go to Utah State and I run, it's an unofficial writing discord server for students there. So that's where I do it. It's not super active, so it's pretty rare someone joins me in a sprint. But there have been times, there was one time um, where I convinced a couple of people that we were going to get on voice chat for about two hours and just write. And that worked surprisingly well. Um, like we didn't even talk to each other. We just sat on voice call and knew that we were supposed to be writing. And that really helped me just be in the focus because I get on YouTube files a lot. That's the bane of my existence, not just writing. It's just the bane of my productivity. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of what I've found so far. May or may not be helpful. Everyone has a different flow. So yeah, for sure. But I think it really does work for some people. So mm -hmm. I'm also curious, do you have any favorite like craft books or resources that you use to help you with your writing? Not really. I have never bought a craft book. I have bought Kindle samples of craft books and I've read the first like 10 pages and then I'll just go grab another one because there's so many on Amazon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't say that Sanderson's lectures are really good. Um, I would recommend having a little bit of a basis in writing before you listen to them. Um, I have at least read a fair amount of books, but I really like his, his way of simplifying things. I like his, with plotting, I really like his uh, promises, progress, payoff, plot structure. I think that's like the simplest plot structure that you can do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his lectures are really good. Um, but I can't say I've found any specific craft books. Yeah, no, I agree. The, the Sanderson lectures are good. There's like, uh, for anyone who mm -hmm. doesn't know, a whole series on YouTube of lectures he did at Brigham Young. And there's some really good stuff. I really like his bracket system for opening and closing uh, plot threads. So it's definitely worth a watch. Agreed. Yeah. Hmm. I, I haven't watched all of them. So what? You might have to like tell me what the <laughs> I'll give you a is, link but... later. I don't remember what yeah, yeah. that is. This is one I'm plotting, I think, and it's it's okay. it's very good, especially if you have like a more analytical coding brain. Like it made a lot of sense mm -hmm. to me. So okay. I'm kind of a mm -hmm. visual person. Like that makes total sense. I get that. So it was great. Yeah. Definitely. 
So as a final question, what would you say to someone looking to start a cereal? Well, I would say to anyone who's starting writing, period, I would say get used to the idea that it's going to take you at least five years of practice to be publishable. Um, but that also get used to the idea that it's fun whether or not you publish. Um, I think in my experience with new writers, there are a lot of people who start out feeling like they have to publish very soon. This was me. And most of them do not are not ready within a year or even two years. I, I remember when I wrote the first draft of this story, I thought it was publishable. And so I was actually going to submit it to a traditional publisher. Thank heavens. My mom talked me out of it. It would have crushed me when they rejected me. Um, but I think, and then it took me like five or six complete overhauls of the story to even get to where I am now. Um, um, I may or may not even overhaul it in the future. So, um, but yeah, I would say get used to the idea of practice, but it's fine to be a casual as well. Um, I, I fully agree with Sanderson's basketball, um, analogy where he's like, most people don't play basketball to go pro. Not that it's quite as bad as like the NBA to become a professional writer, but um, it is perfectly fine to just write because it's good for you. Um, but if you, if you are going for a career, like give yourself the practice that I need. So. Good advice. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us. Yep. Thanks. Our thanks today to Brian and Xavier Cole for letting us break down their episode. And, and that's, that's a wrap. wrap. We gotta do the like banter. Yeah. <laughs> so JP, how's your week been? <laughs> I'm not prepared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing still. Okay. You gotta wipe my tears away. <laughs> wipe the tears. So, JP, how's well, your week Christ been? <laughs> what are you doing with your hair? I thought I'd just do like a little cousin it for you. I don't know. Okay. Follow your close? dreams, I guess. Is this close to cousin it? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs>